0: Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. Now, here's your host, Stacey Hegarty.
1: Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Hegarty, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. For our first podcast of 2023, we welcome Casey David, and Irene Oxagera, both from the organization called Culture of Therapy Wellness Group. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Honey, Stacey, thank you so much for having us. We're happy to be here.
1: Let's start with the easy stuff. Let's start with some introductions. Casey, tell us who you are, and then Irene, you'll go next.
0: Perfect. So, I am Casey David. I'm a licensed clinical social worker here in the state of California. I'm also the founder and owner of Culture of Therapy Wellness Group, and we're a virtual group-based private practice serving residents of California. And we provide primarily therapy, but we've got a few other services as well. And Irene is one of my colleagues here in the group. Hi, So I'm Irene Oceguera, and I am an ASW, which is an associate social worker. And I provide clinical therapy with Casey here at Culture of Therapy Wellness Group. And I am a recent graduate from Loma Linda University with my master's in social work.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. So let's get into it. For Culture of Therapy Wellness Group, who are your clients? What's your mission? This is not regular patients, regular therapy. This is not what people would necessarily expect out of a
0: therapy group. 100%. We primarily serve women of color here in California. My particular specialty is with women of color largely between 18 and 35 who self-identify as ambitious. They wear lots of different hats, lots of roles and responsibilities, usually perfectionists with a lot of high anxiety. So they know what they want. They know they can get it, but they feel like they're at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to all of the things that they have to do in their day or in their life. and usually. They're talking about the bigger socioeconomic political context in which we live as far as the why they're at the bottom of the totem pole. Traditionally, Culture of Therapy Wellness Group has served marginalized, historically excluded populations. So typically your populations of color, your differently abled people, your LGBTQ plus populations. So primarily, we want to talk to people who feel like in traditional services there hasn't been a space for them carved out and we actively say we're not a jack-of-all-trades therapist we only know a few things but those few things we know very well and the people who come to talk to us say we really appreciate that about you guys because it's hard to find out where I fit in the world when everything is so jam packed to be a universal model. So, a lot of my specialty is in talking to Black women, and I would say maybe mixed ethnicity women as well, who are usually primary caregivers, mothers, educators, definitely givers, those in the helping profession as well. And they want to talk about values, they want to talk about politics, they want to talk about the temp and the secret and the shameful and things that we're not supposed to mention, but they know unless I talk about these things and how they relate to my mental health and my identity, I'm not going to be able to be at the top of the the values and priority list as I would like to be to have this full, sustainable life.
1: Irene, what about you? Do you have a different focus or very similar to Casey's?
0: So like Casey, I specialize in many of the same groups. So we overall, we focus on the same population which is women of color generally the ages to 35 is where we focus on the lgbtq plus community minority communities as casey mentioned she primarily focuses on women that are african-american black or mixed race i also tend to focus on women of mixed ethnicities but i specialize in women of latinx communities so that's my particular focus. It's something that I'm very passionate about being woman of the the Latinx community myself. So that is something I specialize in.
1: So I wonder if you can share, either one of you or both of you, talk a little bit about how the perception of who needs therapy and why they go to therapy and what is that experience like for the populations that you're serving, because it's very different for women of color, women who may be first generation or maybe new Americans. What is that experience like
0: when someone first comes into therapy with the thought of, I shouldn't be here? That's an excellent question. So I like to offer consultations, and it's just a brief 20-minute introduction so that somebody can get their feet wet and we can play around with that very idea. What would it be like for me to be here in this space and ultimately very vulnerable? with you. So during that space, we talk about what the expectations are. And I don't just mean from like a practice perspective of scheduling week to week, but truly what myths and misconceptions have we come into this process with? And I think they're economic about how outrageous it could cost or what your insurance does or does not cover. It can be social. I have a friend who is in therapy. They recommended me or they referred me to you or just in general, they seem to be living pleasantly with their therapist and I just wanted to try it. But I think that it's a very open conversation we have because there's really no predictable response for what therapy means to one person. And I think by the time somebody reaches us, they've already made some kind of peace with the idea that I see myself here. I see myself in therapy. I see myself doing the work. But where I need your help, Casey, is with reassuring me that it's possible, that it's practical, that it's not going to be an overwhelmingly painful process, Mm -hmm. that other people who, like myself, have been here too. So I think there's some relatability that goes on in that initial meeting where we say, this is what I know therapy to be like, because we know that most Therapeutic models were based on the straight white male and something of a consultation, I think, is still a 21st century thing. Maybe even when you're using insurance, you're not able to have a consultation with a therapist. Maybe you get a short phone call. Maybe you never see them on video. Maybe you just go straight to an assessment that very first session with the history gathering. But in this initial meeting, we really kind of lay the vulnerabilities out on the table. The client and myself and we say this is what I know about this process and it could be very different than what you know about mental health and therapy but I speak very transparently about what I know how to do and what I don't know how to do and where my lived experience personally and my professional experience has brought me so that they can make a really informed decision about does this make sense because I swear I'll pause in just a moment and I flip but I, everybody has this kind of, I'm going to take this right back to my family, back to my friends, just this emotional experience that we're having here. And I'm going to remember what it was like to be in front of you. And if that's a good experience that you've given somebody or it doesn't leave a sour taste in their mouths, then that's some new person walking around that's saying mental health is for me. Because while therapy is one part of mental health, I want somebody to leave saying, mental health and me taking care of my mental health is for me and if it's for me then it's for you if we're relatable or if we're similar in that way and if it's for you it's for us irene what do you have to add to that i think i'm a little bit more generic in the <laughs> in the way i view it but personally i believe therapy is for everyone i believe that everybody should have the opportunity to have somebody in their corner that is there to support them in their times of need that isn't a friend that isn't a family member mm. that can be there and be non-biased and be there to support you in your particular need, without judgment, without superficiality, without those additional factors that you do get when somebody knows you on a personal level. And you don't get that in therapy. You know that mm. for a fact, this person is here for me. I am here because we are building this relationship together. And it's truly a unique experience to have a relationship with your therapist and that you click together. And that's not to say that every therapist and every client go together hand in hand. It's not always a perfect match, but when you do have it, it is perfection. And it's just the amount of work that you can do together and really get you to live your most authentic and truly, truly just fulfilling life is thing that I consider next level. So that's how I see it when I think of mental health and in therapy in general. I do believe it is something that everybody should have the opportunity to have and not just at one time in your life, but in various stages of your life as we transition and go through various changes, life changes, and we have loss, we have grief, we have successes. And many times we need somebody there in our corner to help us process that and balance ourselves again. So I I do feel that's what we do. We're there to support you along the way.
1: In in my work in diversity, equity, and inclusion, what comes up on a daily basis is representation or the lack of representation, whether that's in the workforce, in your community, in our government leaders, or even in the classroom. I'm assuming that also translates into the world of mental wellness and how frequently are people of color, in particular LGBTQ plus people, finding it difficult to go to therapy because they're not able to find someone who even understands, that maybe not understands their exact lived experience, but they can at least feel represented in the person that's sitting across from them as a provider, do you find that a lot? I'm assuming that's probably a big part of why people come to see you.
0: Yeah. 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 That resonates. I would say people often, when they're looking for a therapist, people often want to know two things. Does this person understand me and do they have the ability to help me? And I think in the year 2023, the last five years, that question has raised a lot of. A lot of valid questions for who it is that we're spending our time with. Do you understand me and do you have the ability to help me? For me, it comes, I start to consider the question of privilege. Privilege in the sense that I saw it written the other day. It's not a moral judgment of how difficult somebody's life has been, but rather by default, if I haven't lived that experience, I might just assume it's really not that bad. And so I think when people are coming to therapy and they're looking for a therapist who is relatable, it's because of that principle of there are other types of privilege in this world. And sometimes by default, people make assumptions about what my experience may or may not have been. And so I think a part of my, my introduction, my rapport building, my opening up to clients and being vulnerable is being pretty transparent about what some of my lived experience has entailed and what it has not so that they have the comfort and ability to Check me, so to speak, when it seems like, oh, Casey, your privilege is showing because like you said, not every dimension will match when it comes to a population that's saying I'm looking for a black female therapist who understands me. That's that's a lot of who I serve. But even then, there's a lot of layers, a black female therapist who, you know, might have, I don't know, every quality the same as them. Or, no, it's, it's fine with me, but you look like me on the outside. That's what I'm looking for. Or, no, actually, you sound like me. That was what was important. I can be familiar or I can be formal. I can be professional. So there's a lot of different other, there's a lot of other dimensions as well as relatability and what people are looking for. But I do think that element of, I think you have the ability to understand me is very important. And people are looking for somebody to be very outward nowadays to say, I have this dimension. Because it's been clouded in my experience working in some of the systems I've been in before. Sometimes information about demographics and lived experience, it's almost never available to the public when you're looking at a therapist from a provider list. You might have basic demographics about age, but even age and gender. I would say gender is the most common one, ethnicity, a lot of those other things they're just not publicly accessible. So it's, it is still something of privilege to even have a therapist in front of you who can say, here is me and here are all my dimensions and what I represent in the world. So that other people can say, ah, yes, I see myself in Casey. And I think Casey can see herself in me. Yes. Okay. I think she can understand me, at least in the beginning, the ability to understand somebody and what they, and how they can help you. Irene, you know, you mentioned
1: that you serve a lot of Latinx community and yourself, of course, are Latina. Is that, do you find that it's easier to connect with your patients sometimes when you've got at least that lived experience shared? Yes,
0: honestly, I think it's, it makes you much more relatable to your clients to have a cultural understanding uh, oftentimes I'll find myself speaking spanglish in sessions you know and we'll be laughing and giggling about our our childhood traumas because we relate to them so much i had a client say uh, about her her mom a little saying in spanish and I was like, I remember when my grandma said that to me and I was like, this is something. And we just started giggling about it and it really makes not only the client feel comfortable and warm with you, but even as a therapist, it's really, it makes your job so much more warm and enjoyable to know that you are giving your client the best possible experience because you can relate to them. You know exactly what they've gone through, at least in that capacity. And I think also another approach to, into understanding that is the growth in cultural understanding between partners and colleagues. Just having another woman in the field to connect with, another woman of color. Mm-hmm to speak with sometimes we'll be collaborating in our supervision sessions and we'll be discussing things about our clients and cultural dimensions and religion and beliefs and i'll bring up things that she hadn't considered she'll bring up things i hadn't considered and it really allows us to be better clinicians that i don't think the maybe the cisgender heteronormative white male system that is normally in place would normally facilitate for our clients. So I do believe that it does take us up a notch in terms of allowing us to provide a higher level of care for our clients.
1: Now, I know that you, beyond the traditional therapies that you offer people, What are some of the other offerings for even businesses, things like that may help people provide better support, whether it's to their workforce or to their loved ones or in the community that's different than traditional therapy? Yeah. Excellent
0: question. Irene, oh, wow. Irene is like beautiful. my relationship guru when it comes to our <laughs> picture of what it is that we're trying to do. Great. Go on, Irene. Let's do this. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. So we are trying to really develop our wellness services as well. So not only do we really develop our individual therapy services, but our wellness services are something we're really trying to develop. The first thing that we're working on, and it's a very big part of our practice, is our immigration evaluations. So we do psychological evaluations. We can do them for uh, T visas, U visas, asylum seeking, hardship. So the, those are the ones that we're currently working on. So for anybody that is seeking citizenship, hardship, any of these cases, we are able to do the immigration evaluations for these particular cases. So it's a really awesome opportunity for us to connect with our clients. That's one of the things that we do. We also have another clinician on staff. Her name is Christy. So Christy is our LGBTQ plus champion. She's absolutely amazing. And she is the one that handles all of our LGBTQ plus gender affirming surgery letters of recommendation. You do need two of those. We can do one of them and we actually have other referral sources that will do the second letter. So we have you completely covered if that is also something that you need. We handle also other wellness services, including independent evaluations for VA psychological evaluation. So if you need like your own independent uh, psychological evaluation that you're just using to support your request for benefits with the VA, we are not providers for the VA. These are independent psychological evaluations. We also do those as well. So we have a number of wellness services that we provide. Casey is also, she provides supervision. We provide individual supervision, triadic supervision, and a number of other services. If there is at any point that you need more information about us, you can always set up a consultation on our website at cultureoftherapy.com to get more information about what we can offer you, how we can collaborate and ways that we can maybe support one another.
1: Yeah. Casey, you anything you'd like to add to that about other services?
0: Yeah. So when we designed the services beyond therapy, we tried to maintain the focus of inclusion and services that might be hard to access or hard to find by our groups. And I think traditionally therapy, is it can still be difficult to find and difficult to access, but we've made it as simple as we can in our practice. But a couple of the other things that we want to be able to offer or that we currently do offer are the ability to talk to organizations and say there's more to mental health than just standard therapy. And so we're trying to create the small group EAP service that would benefit a lot of California employers. I've been an EAP provider in the past for different insurances and different third-party agencies, and I've always had a good time doing it. And I've collected a lot of information about how useful it is for frontline workers or line-level staff, and even for people in management to have a mental health service provided by their employer that's not necessarily diagnosis-driven or very heavy into the insurance world. You need medical necessity established, We at risk of auditing for notes. And so we really want to open ourselves up to partnerships with people who say, I also value and respect mental health, and I'm looking for a service provider that also values and respects mental health. And so some of those services that Irene mentioned, including our LGBT gender-affirming surgery letters of recommendation, our psychological evaluations for immigration and the VA, we try to keep that aligned with our mission and values of being a curating mental health services where there is a need in the community for it. I think it's so important what you're
1: doing. And especially for employers, I, most of our, li- most of our listeners are employers, human resources, those kinds of folks. It, but how important it is to get our communities, our coworkers, our organizations aligned with the importance of mental health. Hopefully, if we've learned anything positive over the last couple of years, we've learned how critical it is to take care of our mental health and okay. To release some of the stigma of talking about that at work and being open about it, that doesn't mean telling your whole life story necessarily, but being vulnerable and being able to understand if someone's having a difficult time. And it may not be that they need, like you said, it may not be that they need a full blown insurance covered medical evaluation and ongoing therapy. It may be having a very stressful time in the moment and need a little bit of support to help work through some of that. Do you have before we close, do you have any general advice you would give to people who want to be more supportive of people
0: in their lives taking care of their mental wellness? That is an excellent question. Okay, so I'm going to pull from my therapy toolbox for this one. I would say I have this principle and I didn't make it up. It comes from one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, and she talks about this principle of inherent worthiness. And I think if we think about any activity we do during the day, it has the ability to affect our mental health and wellness and our ability to show up for other people in that same loving, caring, and compassionate, warm way. And if we believe in the principle of inherent worthiness, that means I then move through my day being able and Having the capacity to take care of my health and wellness. When it comes to treating ourselves well, there's the stigma of to treat myself well, I might go to therapy, but I can't go to therapy because therapy's not for me. Or I can't set this boundary, this limit, but gosh, it would really improve my stress level. And I wish I could do that, but I can't. I would hurt somebody. Or I really want to be a better parent spend more time with my kids. But man, I've got so many extra work projects. I have to choose being a, a, a good mother and a good employee. All of those things I think are based in this principle of if I believe that I am inherently worthy, and that means I allow myself to make mistakes, to fail, I can always get up and try again because my goals, while the goals might change, I am worthy of meeting the needs that I have determined for myself. And so being supportive to myself, being supportive to other people foundationally means believing that I am inherently worthy. Even though I haven't finished my work Friday at five o'clock, I'm still going to go to the movies this weekend. I'm not going to be self-punishing or I'm not going to insist, Stacy, you can't go to the movies until your work is done. I really want to see you succeed. And man, there's only one way to do it. I want to believe that I can have what it is that I've set for myself. But it first starts with this foundational, just this very foundational principle that it's possible for me to get it because the love I have for myself will take priority. And if I have love for myself, if I have care for myself, That means I can do what's necessary to negotiate and maneuver this life. And in essence, being able to have sustainability in my mental health and wellness. Irene, do you have other advice you'd like to add? I personally think that on top of that, on top of all the things that we can do to support our wellness through therapy and through setting boundaries and things like that, I'm I'm a very big fan of mindfulness. Being mindful and practicing mindfulness in everyday settings. What does that mean? What does mindfulness mean? It's about being in the present moment. So whether you're an employer, whether you're a family member, whether you are yourself and you're trying to integrate more moments in the present. If you're with your family, get off your phone. Spend time with your family and really be in the moment. If you're at work, focus on your work. Stop texting the friends while you're at work, right? It's really being in that moment and focusing on what you're doing at that time and giving your, yourself wholeheartedly to that particular task or that activity or whatever you're doing. When you're eating, really enjoy the act of eating. Notice the sensations of the food in your mouth, the flavors, the textures. And you'll notice that there's a very different way of living sometimes. We often go into autopilot and we're just doing things because it's another checklist item that we have to do that gets us through the day and that we all just routinely go about and unfortunately it leaves us stale sometimes we're like things get mundane but we it's because we're often time in that autopilot phase and we're not actively engaging in our everyday activities engaging with our family with our friends having these conversations if you're with your coworkers, talk to them, be engaged with them. Don't be texting. Don't be typing away on your laptop. If you're with your family, be with your family. If you're at work, be invested into your work. It's really about being in that particular moment and savoring the flavor of that moment. So just a, a tool that you can try, see if it works for you. If it doesn't, at least you tried it. So that's <laughs> something that that I would recommend to everybody <laughs> trying. Because You never know. If it gives you one more moment of enjoyment and just feeling better about something and more connected to other people, I think it's a win.
1: On that note, before we leave our listeners to go ahead and live more mindfully and to believe in their inherent worth, how can people get in touch with you if they would like to find out more about your services and more about how you might be able to support them?
0: Of course. You can easily visit our website www.cultureoftherapy.com. If you enjoy talking to people on the phone, you can give us a call and speak to our practice manager, Jessica, who's behind the lines for us. And the phone number is 951-755-1070. Or you could always give us an email as well. My name is Casey, K-A-S-E-Y, and then this is Irene, I-R-E-N-E, at cultureoftherapy.com. Thank you both so much for sharing your insights
1: today. This was a great way to kick off 2023. And we thank you so much for listening. For our listeners, if you want more information about Envision Rise, you can find us at envisionrise.com.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate,
1: and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.